Let's pray together. Lord God, as we reflect on who you are, so grateful that you came for each and every one of us, that you are Savior of the world. And so we pray now that you would uh, give our, not ears to hear, but also our heart as well. And we thank you for this time together in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. January 29th, that's the right date, correct? Um, January is a strange month for me. Maybe it is for you. You know, it starts off, you know, you're riding high coming off Christmas. It's that Christmas season and New Year's. And you have all these hopes and dreams that it's going to be different. Um, You get that new calendar that doesn't have anything penciled in it yet, right? A clean slate. And it doesn't take long, though, does it? that maybe you've left behind all those goals or resolutions. Or you realize that pain physically, spiritually, or emotionally is still there. And you're wrestling with, what do I do with this? Like, here we go again, Lord. And then, you know, I get one of these emails this week about... It's hard to hear the love of Jesus when you're hungry and we're quickly reminded to just pick one African country. I know we just prayed for Zambia, but, but in Kenya, they're having a food crisis. Four straight rainy seasons that didn't produce rain. And what would cost $1 in U.S. for one meal a day now costs $3 U.S. And families can't afford it. Another email came in about from the Pew Research Center that in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and amid reports of the growing youth mental health crisis, four in 10 U.S. parents with children younger than 18 say they are extremely or very worried that their children might struggle with anxiety or depression at some point. In fact, mental health concerns topped the list of parental worries in 2023 followed by 35% who are similarly concerned about their children being bullied. These items trump parents' concerns about certain physical threats to their children, the dangers of drugs and alcohol, teenage pregnancy, and getting in trouble with police. The world doesn't stop, does it, friends? You know, we, we... kind of had a little conversation in our life group Wednesday night here on campus. Everybody was talking about our natural gas bills. Amen? I mean, the world keeps coming at you with high prices and, and challenges. And yet, where is our hope? In whom do we trust? And I believe, friends, that's why Mark captured the gospel And framed it in Mark's way. Mark wasn't a disciple of Jesus. He was a disciple of Peter and served with Paul and Barnabas. And in fact, got into a little, created a little strife between Paul and Barnabas on one of the missionary journeys. But Mark was not trying to prove statements or prophecies of Jesus. Not that they weren't important. His only object in writing was to clearly tell certain facts about Jesus His deeds, what Jesus was called to do, not so much about Jesus' words. 
that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he proves not by showing, by clearly declaring how he came to earth, but by showing what he accomplished during his brief ministry time on earth. How Jesus' coming changed the world. That's what Mark wanted to demonstrate to us. Mark's gospel was also written, get this, to Roman ears, not to Jewish ears. For example, the gospel of Matthew was was more written for those who had Jewish ears and concerns. But Mark's gospel was written for Roman ears. Roman people who were much different than the Jew, as you could imagine. And so I want to do a little exercise with you. I want to pretend right now that you are all Roman citizens, okay? And this is how you would ask Mark to tell you about Jesus. And so here is the first slide. I want you to say this. If you can see it, I want you to say this with me, okay? You're a Roman citizen, and you're telling Mark how you want to write his gospel. Let's do it together. Let's start. I know nothing of your scriptures and care nothing for your peculiar notions, but I should be glad to hear a plain story of the life this man, Jesus, lived. Tell me what he did. Let me see him just as he was. Friends, I believe that's the lens that Mark wrote to us, the teachings and and the miracles. In fact, the, the the, the Gospel of Mark is often called the Book of Signs because nowhere else in the Gospel writers recorded so many miracles than did, did Mark. And we're going to look at two of those miracles today in just a minute. And so, friends, I want you to just take a look at this next slide with me. Mark has prepared his readers for the present account by the extended discussion of what is clean and unclean in last week's text that um, Pastor Betsy engaged for us. We're just going to stop right there, okay? That, he sets the scene. I don't know what you remember about last week's sermon, but let me give you a cliff note version for 30 seconds. Responding to the Pharisees' charge of ritual impurity, Jesus now says that defilement is not an outside-to-inside issue, but an inside-to-outside issue. In other words, Jesus was talking about our hearts. That the ugliness and the darkness of this world begins not by what we put into our bodies. I know that just will knock out of the park some of your New Year's resolutions, right? It's not about what goes into our bodies physically, but it's what comes from the inside out. And, and, and last week's text dealt with that, and the Pharisees were, were, were putting Jesus to the test. And Jesus ended um, with verse 23 last week, By summarizing his point, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And so that's what sets up today's text. So slide back up. We'll go to that second part of it. Jesus now enters an unclean Gentile area, Tyre, 
has contact with an unclean Gentile woman and cast out an unclean spirit or demon. Do you think Jesus is trying to make a point? He's now not just engaging with a verbal or teaching debate. He's going on a practicum. <laughs> and the disciples are coming with him. And that's important to remember. Mark doesn't make much of the disciples. If you read Matthew's account of this healing, the disciples are involved. But just for, the, for your sake, don't forget about the dear disciples are watching and listening. Mark 7 has raised the issue of whether hands or foods can be unclean, but underneath the surface, the much uglier question is whether there are unclean people. And so we're encountered, encountering that very question right now as I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence a secret. Probably doesn't surprise us, right? <laughs> In fact, as soon as, he, as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it. To the dogs. Now that response of Jesus probably might be shocking and surprising and troubling to many of us, yes? Verse 28. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. End of healing and story number one. We'll come back to that. Now, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis, which is on the other side, right? The other side, those other people, the non-Jews. So Jesus was being intentional. I mean, he was basically doing a horseshoe. I mean, there's some intentionality of him not only traveling through Gentile regions, but, but it, it's, it's almost extreme. Why did he go like this. Verse 32. Then some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then took spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephrathah which means be opened in Aramaic. 
At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did, so the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So Jesus very intentionally leaving home base of the Galilee region and heading northwest to Tyre. I mean, the scriptures tell us, or Mark tells us, that once again Jesus tries to escape the crushing weight of the crowds and their needs. But earlier in Mark's gospel, people in this region had already encountered and knew of Jesus. So it, was like, it would be like me putting on my Pittsburgh Steelers garb, along with many others of the Steeler nation, and going to SoFi Stadium, Right? There would be no doubt that there would be Steeler fans in SoFi Stadium, whether the Chargers were playing, this is our house, right, or what, whose house is it, or something like that, or the Chargers, right? I mean, we, I would stick out along with many other Steeler fans, like a sore thumb. To me, that's what I pictured about Jesus trying, especially going into this house, thinking that he could keep his identity and some of his ministry and his deeds secret. He can't remain hidden. A woman has a little daughter with an unclean spirit. She's a definite outsider. Plus, even Jewish women didn't approach Jewish rabbis, let alone a Gentile woman. Certainly not a Gentile woman who had a daughter with an unclean spirit. This woman has three strikes against her already. What's more, Jesus is taking some time off. The situation doesn't look promising. But does Jesus ignore her? Not really. Not at all, actually. Because coming along with him are his disciples. Again, in Matthew's gospel, they're much more involved in this healing, in this story. But the disciples are coming along with Jesus with all their preconceived notions about Jew and Gentile, clean and unclean, men and women, rabbis and those who aren't rabbis. And they encounter this woman who, who comes to Jesus, who comes to Jesus. She will not be stopped the language of the request communicates persistence and urgency. In verse 26, she kept begging him. This is a gutsy move, friends. Jesus' response, no doubt, seems offensive at first glance. It looks like almost a racial, let's be honest, insult. The Jewish people are the children. The Gentiles are the dogs. But friends, this is not an insult. Not at all. Jesus is teaching with his disciples off stage, if you will, looking in because they're thinking, well, this is exactly how you're supposed to respond, Lord. We're the chosen people. The Gentiles are Dogs. Now, dogs were also almost equated with pigs for the Jews, okay? Not quite there, but unclean. And dogs were usually used in that time and that place. Don't 
picture Fido next to you by the fireplace, okay? These were 60, 70 pound dogs that were kept outside of the homes as guard dogs. They were mean, they weren't cuddly, but the word that Jesus has used for dogs here means little Fido cuddly puppy next to the fireplace. And so what is Jesus doing here? What, what is he getting at? His disciples are like, you're answering just like we expect. But there's a method, if you will, to his madness. He did come to show Israel that he is the fulfillment of all that God promised to Israel. Just an excerpt of what Tom read from Isaiah 42. After his resurrection, Jesus will send his disciples to make disciples of all the nations. But, but not yet. Right now, the Gentiles have to wait their turn. That's at least as to what we're encountering here. But how did the woman respond? Did she give up and go home? Did she banter back at him? She said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She is not hardened or blind or deaf. This woman is the first example of someone who actually understands what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples and responds rightly. No one else has really understood Jesus' mission. She gets it. After hearing one sentence, and she not only understands it, she does not argue against it. She enters into what Jesus is doing. She says, yes, Lord. She's persistent. She's a mama with a hurting heart because her daughter is not right. And so I want to put up this quote from one of my one of my real kind of mentors of the faith, Dr. Ken Bailey, who, who lived 40 years in Lebanon. Presbyterian pastor and missionary. Um, Gene, my wife, went to school with his son at Grove City. But he lived 40 years in the Middle Eastern culture. And so many times we think through a Western mindset. And so this is his kind of paraphrase of what's happening in this very difficult passage. Might the Syrophoenician woman be saying, yes, I know that in your eyes we may appear as little, remember Fido by the fireplace, little dogs, and as little dogs we deserve nothing. But the little dogs are thrown the little pieces of bread at the end of the meal. How many of you haven't fed something under the, the table to Fido, right? You, Jesus, are still my Lord and Master. I know that you can heal and that you have compassion for all. Do you not have a crumb for my daughter? Isn't that powerful? I mean, that may take some, it's taken time for me to sink in. But this woman is basically saying, I know you came first for the Jew, but I believe that you our savior of all the world. And I'll just take a crumb as a little dog under the table and that little crumb will heal my daughter. Did it heal his daughter? It did. It did. 
And then this second, this second miracle, just, just a couple of things to point out to you about this, this man who, who couldn't speak and couldn't hear. Oftentimes, there's been questions asked, why is Jesus touching his ear and touching you know, his tongue? And, and it just, so many people I read and, and one, one author said, you know what I think Jesus was doing? Jesus couldn't speak to this man. He couldn't hear him. Jesus was using sign language. Jesus was using sign language about what he was going to do. And I've noticed recently, a couple of shows that Gene and I watch on TV, they're more incorporating sign language and actors who literally cannot hear into their shows. And I think it's very touching and powerful. And that's what I thought of here. All that preliminary to this man being healed was Jesus telling him in a way that he would understand what he was going to do. Jesus doesn't see a problem. He sees a person. He has compassion for the mom of that daughter, the mama's heart. He also has compassion on the daughter. He has compassion for this man. He takes a, a deep sigh. How many of you need a deep sigh right now? Go ahead. He takes a deep sigh as he prayed to the Father in heaven. And this man is set free. Here is power and love and tender attention. Of course, Jesus wants them to keep all this quiet, the messianic secret of Mark that comes up several times. You'll see Jesus saying, shh, don't tell anyone. Does everybody listen to that? No. <laughs> the ending of the scripture today tells us that very cl clearly. They couldn't keep a secret. In fact, the more he did, the more they shared and that's a whole other message and sermon as to what's going on with Jesus wanting to keep everything quiet until the right time. Well, you remember that Roman statement that we read together or tried to read together at the beginning? Remember that? You were asking Mark, telling Mark how to write his gospel that would benefit you as a Roman citizen? Well, in Mark's gospel... As Jesus dies, who's there at the cross? A Roman centurion affirms that Jesus truly was the Son of God. The Roman centurion at the cross. From that moment on, what was anticipated in the Syrophoenician woman became universally true. This was the moment that Jesus was king of the Jews, had also become king and savior of all the world. How do we apply that today? Jesus in Matthew's gospel says, go be the salt of the earth, right? Go be salt and light of the earth. He doesn't say, go be salt of just your neighborhood. I want you to go be salt of your neighborhood. Don't get me wrong. But we need to have a bigger vision, right? Than just Good Shepherd, than just Orange County, than just United States. 
But Jesus says, go and be salt to all of the earth. It's interesting to me that Jesus said we'll be the salt of all the earth. And not just the salt of our communities. As important as that is. I don't want to be misquoted here. (laughs) But friends, I believe it all became to come together. When Jesus intentionally went to a Gentile region and stayed in a Gentile region and went in a most unusual route to the other side through the ten cities of the Decapolis that were unclean, it all began to come together there. That Jesus had not just come for the Jew, but for the Gentile. And thank goodness for that Syrophoenician woman who kind of knew what Jesus was doing more than the disciples. The disciples were sitting there. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, the disciples were saying when Jesus was silent to her first request for the healing of her daughter, the disciples were saying, oh, yeah, 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 Lord, let's just dismiss her and move on. Maybe some of us are like the disciples that think that Jesus just came for people that look like us, talk like us, and think like us. But in fact, Jesus blows that vision out of the water, doesn't he? And he had truly come for all the world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your message. Um, But as it was important to Mark to tell, also your actions. And Lord, we do believe that you are in the healing ministry today, both physically, spiritually, and emotionally, to all people, in all places, at all times. And so may we be ready and prepared as you call us and equip us to be the salt of all the earth. For some of us, that's right where you have planted us and called us to be to others. You stretch us and extend us and to have us go forth. But may we have ears to hear your word to us today and every day that you give us. And we pray this in your precious name and God's people say.